Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Do you have your Bibles and your writing materials here, everybody? Can you show them to me? Show me your Bible, physical Bible. I'm not talking about phone Bible. So you have to raise two things up. Bible and notes. Where's the notes? I'm seeing some people raise only one. Bible and notes. You can put the pen in your tits. So that I know that you are not just holding notes. Are you actually writing? I'm joking. Alright. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Alright. Amazing. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. The Bible says in Matthew... Chapter 28 and verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Everybody in your room without unmuting your mic, Read Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 with me. One, two, go. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the Bible says to go into all the world and teach all nations. It says to go and teach all nations. The word teach there is the Greek word mathetuo. You've heard me explain this before. Mathetuo. And mathetuo means to make disciples. Hallelujah. To make disciples. So the instruction isn't just that you should go and teach people. is that you should go and make disciples. The difference between both understanding is that when you go and teach people, you might assume that it's a one-time experience. But when the Bible says go and make disciples, you know he's talking about helping a person mature. Hallelujah. Helping what? A person mature. He says, go and teach all nations. He says, go and make disciples. Matthew 2. Helping someone progressively learn the word of God. Helping someone become mature. Discipling a person. Literally, a learner. A true Christ follower. He says, go and make disciples. He says, go and what? Raise students. In Mark's account, he says, preach the gospel to every creature. So, Jesus expects us not just to go about preaching, but to train students, to make disciples of men, to raise men. Are you following? To raise men, to make disciples of men. Hallelujah. The Greek word there is mathets. It means students. So he's asking you to make people become students, to to turn them to students of the word or learners, or learners. 
So when he says go into all the world and teach all the nations, he wasn't just talking about a one-time thing. He was talking about a consistent teaching and an indoctrination. Hallelujah. And when he says raise students, this must bring your mind to a schooling experience. Meaning that there must be a place of training. There must be a student and a teacher. And then there must be consistent meetings. Is this making sense to you? Are you understanding what I'm saying? It must bring your mind to that. How does learning happen? How do you make a student of somebody? Number one, like I said again, I'm repeating for the second time. It means, first of all, that there must be a student and a teacher. Number two, it means that there must be a place of learning. And number three, it means that there must be consistency. Because when you make a student, a student has to consistently learn to grow. He says, make students, make methods of men. Meaning that when you disciple people, the work doesn't end there. Your goal, your end goal is to make methods of them. To make students of them. That they become learners, they become students of the word. Hallelujah. They become students of the word. They become students of the word. So we must train people to become students. He says, go and teach all nations. Make students of nations. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that every member of the local church is a student of the word. Hallelujah. When you believe the gospel, you were made a student. Hallelujah. And that's practical. You are made to learn. You become a learner. You become a learner. So when you think about yourself in the local church, you think about yourself as a learner, as a student of the word. I'm a student of the word. Hallelujah. Say, I'm a student of the word. I'm a student of the word of God. I'm a student of the word. You must always remember this. I'm a student of the word. When you go out to evangelize, you must also remember also that you're making students of people. You're making students of people. Don't ever forget that. And so there are some things that a lot of people assume that they know. And there are some things that you as a disciple might assume that the people you are preaching to know. But one thing is you must never assume. We don't assume. We don't assume that you know how to pray. We don't assume that you know what prayer is. We don't. We don't assume that you understand what salvation is, justification, sanctification. We don't assume. You know, I once taught an Indian lady here before and she asked me, what do I mean by justification? So, just if, if those words are not common. We don't assume, even if you know it. Biblical terms are not always the same when you use dictionary. Are you with me? They are not. They must be understood in the context of the Bible, not in not using your dictionary or searching on Google. You know, I once spoke about resurrection to somebody and the person didn't understand that I actually meant resurrection in that sense because a resurrection could mean that you are talking about a human body coming back to life. But when we teach about resurrection, we are not talking about you coming back to life with your physical body. We are talking about the fact that your physical body will be dead but you receive a new body. Do you see the difference? We don't assume you know. We don't assume. And so you mustn't, you mustn't also assume that the people you preach to know these things. You are making students of men. And so they must be taught. Hallelujah. They must be taught. And this is important. And so it's practical. They must be taught. So we teach everything. We don't assume you know how to pray. We teach you to pray. 
You don't assume your disciples know how to pray. You teach them to pray. Hallelujah. You teach them to pray. It's important. And even after you've taught people, you must repeat things to them. Repetition is often the key to conviction. Repetition is the key to mastery. So you must explain things again and again and again and again and again and again. And again, and again, I see somebody, you had a nudge in your heart that this is home right now. And this is just a confirmation for you. The Lord made you come here for a reason and growth will happen because of that in the name of Jesus. This is a confirmation for you. Amen. So, we must explain over. And that's why there are some things you would always hear me repeat to you over and over. Because the more you hear it, the more it births conviction in you. A good trainer, I said this, you know, recently. A good trainer is not one who always teaches you things that you've never heard. No, a good trainer is that person who can repeat the message of the doctrine of Christ until it builds conviction in the learner. If you read between Acts chapter 1, between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 10, you see the disciples, they repeated the same message consistently. How many of you have read before like that? You see, it says, that same Jesus, that same man whom you crucified, it says, him had God raised up, and we are witnesses. The same sermon, they preached everywhere. Because the goal was to emphasize to the people that that criminal that you killed, God has taken his wisdom and your foolishness to show you in his resurrection that he's the Messiah. Are you with me? That was their goal. They repeated the same message everywhere. It wasn't about a deep mystery. This was the revelation of every mystery, of everything that was hidden. Please, are you getting what I'm saying? And so repetition, it's important that you keep hearing, you keep learning, you keep learning. You know, I made a post, was it today or yesterday? On WhatsApp, and I said, one of the marks of a good teaching ministry is not just in the voluminous nature of what is taught, but is in how well the people have understood and mastered the basic concept in such a way they can say it back because of how repetitively it is it's been taught. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so you must learn, and you to your disciples as well, you must learn to repeat things to them. You must learn to teach things to them. You must learn to make students out of them. Students are made out of a repetition of teaching. Are you getting what I'm saying? You don't say a person is enrolled in a school because he came for one seminar. No. You say he's enrolled into the school because he's there presently attending the curric following a curriculum of consistent learning. Are you following me? Of consistent learning. And so this is important. We're making students of the word we're making students of the word we're making students of the word hallelujah praise jesus i hope everybody's following me making students of the word and you must also be a student of the word say one more time i'm a student of the word i'm a student of the word And so he says, make disciples of every nation. And then in verse 20, he says, teaching them. When you examine the word teaching them there, is the word didasco. 
Didasco. He has a similar word, didache. Didasco means to instill doctrine. It means to impart instruction. Are you with me? It says teaching them to what? Who is who? Who has it opened? Media team. Is it on the screen? Let's open the text so you follow. Salabaroa katia pakwash tepenetepe. Who has it? All right, read it. Yes. He says, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. So they have been, he's telling them to teach the people the things that they've learned. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they are to teach what they have learned. And that's important. The word is didasco. Didasco means to impart instruction. It can also mean to instill doctrine into a person. So it means to instruct or to give a commandment. So listen, it means that the teaching of the word of God is both an explanation and is also an instruction. Because the dasko doesn't only mean explanation, it also means to instruct. Are you with me? Meaning that the word of God and this series in itself is structured in a way that it will not only explain to you, it would also instruct you. Let me explain what I mean. It would not only tell you what it means, it would also tell you what you must do. That's what didasco is. It says teaching them to observe. Teaching them to observe. Instructing them in the ways that I have taught you. Explaining to them also in the way that I have taught you. So it's both an instruction. It is also an explanation. So you must be a student of the word. Hallelujah. You must be a student of the word. And that is important. You must learn. You must learn. And not just learn, you must be obedient. Because if you have been instructed by the word of God, you must be willing to follow it as well. So it's not enough that you know the explanation to the text. We must also see that you are following it in your life. You are following the instructions that are given. Hallelujah. For example, later in the text, I will explain something to you. If the Bible says pray without season, it's not enough that you know the Greek word of without season. You must also follow that it is an instruction that you should pray always. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So, you must both be ready to hear the explanation and also be instructed. Be instructed. Hallelujah. Say, I'm instructed by the word of God. Say, I'm instructed. By the word of God. Say I'm instructed by the word of God. Say I have a heart of flesh. I'm receptive to the word of God. I'm receptive to the word of God. And I'm instructed through the word of God. Hallelujah. And so in this series, we're not making any assumptions. You're going to be taught and you're going to be instructed. On how to build an effective prayer culture. I said before that Christianity is a thought faith. You get saved by a message and you also mature by a teaching, by indoctrination. Effectiveness in the faith relies on what you know. And so the work of the local church, the work of the pastor, the work of the teacher, the work, you know, they are working in the body of Christ is teaching and instructing. Hallelujah. Teaching and instructing. So remember, you must be a student of the word. It says make students, make learners, make learners. A lot of us, 
We know the Bible clearly talks about being learners, being students, but we don't know how to be learners. There's something called the attitude of a learner. I explained this, you know, in, in Baptism of Fire Windsor. The attitude of a learner. What is the attitude of a learner? You see, a person can be a part of a community like this, come to church, be devoted, be in the choir, you know, be in, be in the workforce, do everything, but the person is not learning. Are you with me? But the person is not learning. There's something I call the attitude of a learner, which is what I'm trying to explain to you. The person must be learning. Must be learning. And this is not what scripture commands for you not to be learning. No. You can be used to going to a place of worship. It's going to appear like you're learning, but you're not. So you must be learning. Learning itself is an attitude. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's an attitude and you must be disposed to it. You must be disposed to it. Your heart must be in that place where you say, I'm a learner. You can go for spiritual meetings and your your response, your, your job in the place, what you've you know positioned your heart to do there is not learn. You know those meetings, I'm just there for my friend. Your friend is doing a spiritual meeting and you just show up, you, you know, let's just show up for support. Don't come for the meeting. Are you with me? Don't come. You must have an attitude of learning. An attitude of a learner. We don't show up in meetings for support. Mm -mm. You must have the attitude of a learner. Let me show you something. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. You know the story of Mary and Martha. Luke. One of the ways we know that you are not there to learn is that the person will be teaching you. You and be laughing. <laughs> Man of God. It's the only you. You know, cannot take pen and biro and paper and just write. You're just smiling. Man of God duties. That's what you came for. Hallelujah. You know, there are some men of God that I've seen that they humble me. <laughs> like, sir, what are you writing? <laughs> Why are you with viral and paper, sir? <laughs> but you just see that attitude of a learner in them. Because that's what disciples, you know, that's what disciples are. They are learners. Let's go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. I I'm giving that word again for somebody. That same person. Okay, I see another person. This is a confirmation for you. There's a lot of learning to do. The Lord says to tell you. There's a lot of learning to do. For the things that he has set in front of you. There's a lot of learning to do. There's a lot of growing to do. There's a lot of growing to do. Thank you, Jesus. Luke 10, 38. The Bible says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now this is important because the Bible tells us about Martha and Mary. It says Mary sat at the Lord's feet. Now in this story, a lot of people, you know, let me read it to the end and I'll explain. It says, but Martha was distracted with so much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you need care that my sister has left? It says, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? It says, tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Hallelujah. We know this story. Can I be honest with you? In the carnal sense, let me ask you a question. What Martha did, was it wrong? 
If Jesus is coming to your house, won't you at least try to package? If today you heard that Jesus, Jesus is around, he's coming to your house. You know, won't you at least package? You, do you understand? Know People that are staying on the island, they will just do small touching. We that stay in mainland, we will have to, re- <laughs> we will renovate our houses so that you know Jesus, watch your steps, Lord. <laughs> Are you with me? Now Jesus is available. That's why I say us. If I stay in mainland now, they say I'm insulting people. I'm not insulting anybody. Alright? I'll just... <laughs> Alright, so now, Jesus is in our house. And the Bible tells us that she's doing everything. You know, you might come... She's doing everything to make sure that Jesus is well cared for. But the Bible tells us that Martha... Sat at the feet of Jesus, at the Lord's feet. Now, what it means to sit at the Lord's feet is that Martha was a disciple. Sorry, Mary, not Martha. Mary, Mary was a disciple. For example, if you look at Acts chapter twenty-two and verse three, the Bible says, "Indeed, this was." It says, "Indeed, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel." So, when he says he was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, he was implying that he was a disciple of Gamaliel. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, you understand that when the Bible uses in the New Testament people that sat at other people's feet, it meant they were disciples of those people. So, you see the posture of of Mary and she sat at the Lord's feet. And now Martha is buying everything. See, a lot of us are like Martha. You do every other thing but the most important thing. So, I was listening to a man of God. He was telling a story. He said he came for a meeting. He said, and so they were arranging everything, trying to get to the place that he would sleep and do everything. So he came in, he got into the meeting, and he said, take for example, the lady's name is Fola. He said, ah, where is Sister Fola? They said, she and the other ladies went to care for your room and get you food. He said, so she ignored the food, the food I brought <laughs> to give me food. You know, you've missed the most important thing. I get what I, He said, I did not come here to eat. I came here to give you food. Are you get what I'm saying? I didn't come to eat. I came for a ministry. For administration. That's what I came for. And that's what a lot of us do. You focus on everything. So in church, you have you are arranging, you are doing everything. But when it's time for the word, that's when you remember the pastor's food is not ready. So you run outside. You know, it's you that's getting everything ready. That's when you remember you've missed the most important thing. The attitude of a learner means that you are the person who prioritizes sitting at the feet to learn. Are you getting this? So you might have thought that Martha was doing what was right, but Jesus says that Mary chose a good portion. Mary's attitude is the attitude of a learner. One thing must be important to you learning, being instructed, you have to prioritize the word of God. It must be obvious. I remember, you know, growing up, say some four years back in Celebration Church, and then we might be doing something else. But the moment we hear that, ah, Apostle is on Instagram in somebody's church, all of us, we are running there to go and we cannot hear that Apostle is teaching in one place. We are there. We are in the comments. Yes, sir. You know, we are doing everything. We cannot just hear. That is the attitude of a learner because we know there is so much he can give to us. You know, I've told some of you before, I said there's a lot you can learn. You might not learn on a Sunday. 
There are a lot of other places where you learn. Many other. You have to have the attitude of a learner. When you work with men of God that you honor, if you work with them at least a whole day, you should be able to highlight things you saw them do at least that, that, that you learned from because you were always in that space of being a learner. Are you getting what I'm saying? In that space of being a learner. I can count the amount of times I've been, you know, I, I, I've, I've learned things just by being in close proximity with my pastor. So it's very important that you have the attitude of a learner. You have the heart of a learner. It's very important. And so to the word of God as well, you must take priority. You must take it as priority. Are you getting what I'm saying? You must take it as priority. So be a learner. And when he starts, give all diligence to it. What did I say? Give all diligence to it. How many of you knew those people that used to sit down in front when you were in school? They are too no people. Be that about the word of God. Are you with me? The ones that when everybody knows to submit assignments in class, they'll say, sir, have you forgotten? You gave us assignment. Be that person with the word of God. The things you learn, you have to make sure you put to practice. You have to have the attitude of a learner. You have to prioritize the word. Not just prioritize the word. You must prioritize it, hear it, and put it to practice. You must do. And so concerning prayer as well, you will be taught. We will make no assumptions that you already know it. No, you will be taught. When we talk about baptism of fire, what we are implying is an immersion. It's a life-changing experience. What is baptism? The Bible tells us that the children of Israel were baptized into Moses, meaning that they partook of a spiritual experience because of the message that Moses brought, which is the law. They were baptized into that spiritual experience with him. His teaching led them to partake of a spiritual experience, the experience of the law. Are you with me? In Mark chapter 10 and verse 35, the Bible tells us James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and asked him, Teacher, what do you want? He says, Will you do whatever we ask of you? In 36, he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Grant us one to sit at your right and one to sit at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink of the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized? He says, And they said to him, We are able. Let me ask you a question. What is this baptism? What is this baptism? If you know it, you can say it in the comment section. What is this baptism? Because they, they came to him and they said, we want to see it, one at your right and one at your left. And he said, do you know what? Are you able to drink of the cup that I drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized? It's suffering. Actually, it's his suffering. Because the cup is going to drink of and the baptism is going to be baptized of is his suffering. He says, and they said to him, we are able. Now, in saying teaching, I understand where you're coming from, but in this context, he's talking about his suffering. His suffering. It's, they say we are able. He says, that cup that you drink, I will drink, and the baptism will be baptized. He says, but to see that, he says, the cup that I drink, you will drink. What does he mean by that? You will suffer my suffering. The baptism that I'll be baptized with, you'll be baptized with it because they will persecute you too. But he said, for that one of sitting in my right hand, is not for me to give. Are you with me? So, the baptism he was talking about there is suffering. And they did partake of his suffering. <laughs> I 
Hallelujah. I'll give you one more example. In the first two examples, do you see anything like water? Maybe by mistake. <laughs> Maybe I mentioned water by mistake. Okay, so you understand now that baptism now isn't talking about water. It's talking about an immersion into a spiritual experience. Alright. They were talking about partaking. He was talking about partaking of his suffering. For Moses, they partook of an experience because of his teaching. I'll give you one more example, then I make my point. Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. I think I'm even moving too fast. <laughs> I know you wouldn't want to complain, I know. Because I was already spitting everything out. <laughs> but I wanted to cover a lot, but maybe I'll not rush. Maybe we'll just stay on this introduction for like three meetings. <laughs> Because whenever I do this different introduction to help you understand what I want to say, just know that the whole time will be gone. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll slow down. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. The Bible says, And it happened that when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, No. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe. So first, pay attention. John baptized with the baptism of repentance, doing what? Telling. So the baptism came as a result of a message. To believe on what was to come after him, that is Jesus. He now said, on hearing this. Are you getting it? On hearing this, they were baptized. So what happened before they were baptized? They heard a message. And what is that message? They heard the gospel of Christ. And what did the gospel of Christ cause for them? It caused them to be partakers of a spiritual experience. What is that spiritual experience? Salvation. Are you getting it? And so at salvation, you hear the gospel and you are baptized into Christ. In conclusion to this point, baptism is a word that means immersion into a spiritual experience. And so what this series is going to do for you is that it is going to baptize you into an experience of prayer. It's going to immerse you into fire, into a vibrant walk with Christ. You're going to partake of a spiritual experience that is deeper than what you have now. That's what we're talking about. And that's the goal of this series. It will pull you deeper high. Say, Lord, I go deeper. More and more and more and more and more. Deeper, Lord Jesus. More, more, more. I see deeper in every aspect. A deeper walk with God in prayer. A deeper walk with God in study. A deeper in charismatic expression. Oh, more accurate words of knowledge. Kizu, and that will be your experience as a result of this series. Is Franklin here now? I heard Franklin was invited to this meeting. I gave a word of knowledge about Franklin in the morning. And someone came to my DM and told me that they invited the Franklin to this meeting. So is Franklin in this meeting now? If you are, is not here, text him. 
Okay. Thank you, Jesus. I have a word of the Lord to, to him. How many of you were in, in the session in the morning when I got that word for the person? You know, so someone reached out back to me that they found the person. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Rai Gatalai. I want you to be sensitive in this atmosphere. Zurakai ko. Bretosh teve ko. Brata lebenai to bratai. Thank you, Jesus. Zive darwakai. Baikai. I see somebody. Ridu brakaite. The outward expressions of what God is using you for or is said to use you for doesn't match the kind of capacity and prayer life that you need to have. And it's been a problem for you for so long. The Lord says that beginning now, it says he's pulling you into a deeper experience. Now in the name of Jesus. And every time you just find yourself being drawn into a deeper, a deeper time with Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's go on in the word. Media team, is everything fine with the sound? Hallelujah. Let's go on with the word. And so what this is going to do, and this series is going to do, is that it's going to pull you into a journey into an adventure of prayer where you can experience the fullness of what prayer can offer. Do you know what that means? It means that there is a lot prayer can offer and we've only scratched the surface. <laughs> we've only but rubbed, we not even scratch, we just rubbed the surface. And so what we want to do is bring us to that place where we experience the fullness of what prayer can offer. Are you ready? I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles with me to John chapter 7 and verse 37. I want to buttress a point very quickly. I wish I want to round up very fast. That's why I was moving fast so that we can spend some time praying. But let's see how the Lord leads us. There's somebody, your name ends with Mikun. It's either something at Mikun or your Mikun or Migun. I heard something in that line. The Lord wants to touch you. If you're in this meeting, you know, respond in the comment section. Your name ends with, you know, Mikun or something in that way. Either at Mikun or your Mikun. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but if you're in this meeting, respond in the comment section. John 7, 37, everybody. I don't even think it's you. <laughs> I don't think it's you. It's probably someone else. I don't think it's you. I don't think it's you. I want the person to respond quickly. If I go, I won't come back to it. So let me just deal with it. Like this morning, it was later that the person was texting me that it's me. I don't want that happening. Alright, so please, quickly. Alright, I'll go on with the teaching. Giving some more time. Going, going, going. Alright, John 7.37. Please don't come and meet me later. <laughs> it always happens. John 7.37. Is she in this meeting? Is she in this meeting? No, no. no it's not twin sister. It's not. It's someone at least either someone who has joined or left, or someone that's here now, or is around the 
vicinity of somebody who is listening to this. So if it's your twin sister, is she there with you now? Is she there with you now? Hallelujah. All right. John 7, 13. What the Lord wants, to, what the Lord, the Lord, I want to minister to the person and that's what the Lord said to do. All right. I want to minister to the person. That's what the Lord said to do. So the person has to be in a place where they can hear me and have me minister, you know, to them. But the last part is, you know, Mikun. All right. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 7 and verse 37. She's with you now. Okay, give me a few minutes. Let me explain this and then we'll come back. Just tell her that the Lord has something for her. Thank you, Lord. John 7, 37. The Bible says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He says, He who believes me, as the scripture has said, out of his hearts will flow rivers of living water. In 39, it says, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus stands, he says, on the, on the, on the last day, the great day of the feast. Now, if you know the cultural context to this, this text will make a lot of sense to you. All right, and I've explained this to you many, many, many times what was going on. All right, first of all, the last day of this feast is usually the day that had the most number of people come together. But apart from that, the practices that happen in this feast helps you understand. Remember, in the principle of Bible interpretation, we taught you about doing exegesis, all right? Exegesis is discovering the intent of the writer to understand, are you with me? So, in, in your understanding of the text, you have to discover the intent of the writer. And how do you do that? Using normal grammatic rule, the cultural context, deciding and, and figuring out who the person was writing to as well. So, you can understand the message. Yourself, you are out of the picture. You must first understand that he was writing to specific people with a specific intention. In discovering the specific intention, you can then figure out how it applies to you. In this situation, the cultural context helps us a lot because it wasn't written to us, even though it was written for our learning. Alright, so when doing right exegesis, you must discover what was actually being said. And so in this text, why did Jesus stay there? Why did he say, you know, if any man first, let him come to me. If you understand the cultural context, you know that there's usually a feast. And what they do in that feast is this. They have a very big, you know, container, a big jar that is supposed to, you know, hold water. And people take smaller plastics, or uh, it might not be plastic, but smaller bowls, and they go to a stream. And as they go to the stream, they get water. And when they get water from the stream, they come and they pour it into the bigger jar. And then once they filled it up, they start dancing around the bigger jar, singing Hosanna, Hosanna, singing, and it meant save me, save me, save me. And then the high priest would take off the bigger jar and start pouring it for, for them. As they said, save me, he was giving them water from the bigger one. And it was to typify their expectation for salvation. Now Jesus is in that place and he says, If any man thirsts, let him come to me. I give salvation. Are you with me? That's what it means. I give salvation. And then the Bible tells us that this he spoke of the Spirit. So the water there typified the Spirit which they were going to receive. He says, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So he's saying, I'm going to give you he says, let's read the latter part. He says, this says concerning the spirit because 
them who believe in him would receive it, but the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was never glorified. My emphasis is in verse 38. He says, who he, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Meaning that when you get saved, there's going to be an overflow of the spirit. Are you getting it? An overflow of the spirit. So we see Jesus talks about the fact that this drink is open to everyone. Come to me and drink. We see Joel also prophesy something similar. Joel says it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. He says your sons and daughters shall prophesy. He says your old men shall dream dreams. He says your young men shall see visions. He says upon the men servant and maid servant I will pour on the spirit in those days. So this doesn't matter who you are. Jesus has prophesied, Joel has prophesied rather, that in the last days, the Spirit will be given, poured on all. Jesus is also saying if you come to him and you drink, you would receive the Spirit. And so this is the expectation for the man in Christ, for the New Testament believer, that you would overflow with the Spirit. You know, I once heard an analogy by Apostle. He said, and some of you may not be relate, may not be able to relate, you know, especially Parkville people, Ikoyi, VI. By the time you reach the distance before Aja, they begin to relate, you know. But before there, they cannot relate. <laughs> and before we start, they cannot relate as well. But some of you, at least those of us that you know, we we grew up in the way. For those of you that are not in Nigeria, I'm, I'm describing places in Nigeria. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Alright, so now he gave an analogy and the, the analogy goes this way. I don't know how many of you had times when you had to share a drink with your siblings when you were younger. Did that happen to you? Where you had to share drinks with your at least they don't smile, you probably can't relate. When you were two years, they used to buy full full <laughs> all of you like this, you cannot relate. You see, some people are doing that same, some people are not smiling, so that we say they cannot relate, but we know they can relate. <laughs> So you like do strong face. I know you can relate. Anyways, well, how many of you had that experience? They had to share drinks for you know between you and you had to share one drink. And then there's probably the eldest, you know. Sabi share die. If they share that thing. Measure it with anything, you go they accurate. They are so good. You're like, you're like psh, psh, accurate. There's nothing. <laughs> There's no argument. There's no place for argument. They are so good with the sharing. <laughs> no? <laughs> and then me and my sister then, uh, I was so good. I used cup that she cannot know. Narrow cup. So she'll be checking height. <laughs> Fat cup. Anyways. Now, so, when they share it, usually, you know, you share the whole thing. But how old are you when you had your first bottle? Of wine. It's wine that I used to share a lot in my house that time. Ah, my dad said, all of you go and bring your cup. You know, put cup, cup, cup. We share. We'll not even do chairs on top of our cup. <laughs> chairs. We'll drink our tea in joy, in love, and in happiness. But how old were you when you had your first bottle of wine to yourself? Some of you don't. You have never had your first bottle of wine to yourself. I know it's not because you don't have money. I know, I know, I know. I know you have the money. You just don't want it. <laughs> Anyways, but how did you feel when you had your first wine to yourself? Just you in the house. I remember when I went for one ministration, I was leaving. You know, just gave me one pack. I just looked at it. Ah, ah. 
Wow. So when I got to my first imagine who I was going to share with, I was like, ah, this is for you. You know, this, this is for you. And so what I've said is this, in, 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 in the end, when you had to share your, your, you were probably like, yes, you know, that you remember that you wanted to watch a movie, so you cross your leg, you got a cup, you know, you put it. So, some of you, it lasted one week. <laughs> you were taking it for <laughs> Or you went to visit somebody, they gave you chivita. Only you, you're like, ah, me and who, man? They say, no, 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 no. Ah, it's, it's only you, only you, only you. <laughs> Anyways, now, or you see in a party, somebody is popping an expensive wine that is your net worth, and you're like, ah, <laughs> what kind of wastage is this? <laughs> Hallelujah. Please, I'm not shading anybody. I'm just giving you an analogy to help you understand the message. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So, listen. So, you were you you were really like why? Because of how special that particular thing is. But listen, the spirit of God is so special as well. It, it, it's luxurious in that sense. So luxurious that Stephen says it cannot dwell in temple made with hands. You can't build him a house. You know, I was teaching in Windsor and I told them, I said, it is only fitting. That God does not dwell in what your hands made, but what his hands made. That's how luxurious it is for the spirit to be available. But Stephen now says that he doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. That he dwells in you. So he's okay to stay inside me. Ah, wow. What a privilege. So like the surprise when you had your first wine to yourself. Now you're realizing that such a, such a, such a luxurious thing, such a special Special being like God comes to live on your inside. And Christ is generous about it. You say, if any man thirsts, let him come and drink. This was special. If you go through the Old Testament, we can count the amount of people that had the Spirit. Are you with me? And they don't have it inside. They have it upon. They longed for it. Now Jesus makes it available. <laughs> you know, how many of you heard that story? Of when they first bought SIM, when they first sold SIM cards. In Nigeria, people bought it with huge amounts of money. Then later, I heard that MTN now distributed it free. You, you know, what I mean? like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I heard people bought things for 30k, then at 30, 20k exactly. And then that 20k was like 100k that time. Oh. If you have 20k that time, you're a big man. You buy a SIM card for that amount, and then later, someone came to the. So Jesus says, if anyone wants, let him come and. What? <laughs> You never know, hide it. You said they should come and drink. They should come and receive the spirit. Ah, something different must be happening here. Hallelujah. What did we do to deserve this? He's crying with a loud voice. If you thirst, come and drink. Listen, when he gave this analogy, it hit me a lot. And what he said after hit me a lot more. He said anything supernatural, anything from God, be it salvation, be it healing, whatever it is, is always free. So you, you have to come and think, if it's from God, it's free. 
and as special as the Holy Spirit is, as special as God is, he came to live inside of us for free. You know, that's, listen, this is one of the tests of wrong doctrine. Do you know that? One of the tests of wrong doctrine. Anything you have to pay for from God, run away. It's probably not from God. I get It's one of the tests. One of the tests. Hallelujah. Once you have to pay for healing, salvation, or tie my faith by giving, run away. <laughs> it's probably not sound doctrine. I get what I'm saying. The moment a man of God charges you for prayer, run the other way. He's either fundamentally false or maybe he just lost his way. Hallelujah. But listen, you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 30, to he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? So, he didn't spare his son. That is to show you that he will give you all things freely. Hallelujah. So, if he gave us his best, and his best is Christ, what would he charge you for? Are you with me? For prayer? For healing? No. So, if it is from God, it must be free. He said, freely have you received, freely give. So, listen, you see the, the, the sorcerer Simon, you see him, he paid for it. He wanted to pay for it. Because for him, that was his business. He was not used to seeing this type of thing giving free. I get what I'm saying. But it's free. If it comes from God, it's free. It must be free. The best part is the biggest thing you can ever have in your life, you received free. Wow. This is special. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. You received free. It's more than gold. It's greater. It's free. But this must blow your mind. And here is why I'm saying all of this. I said all of this to get you to this conclusion. It's free, but it's conditional. Listen, what I'm about to say, many Christocentric struggle with it. Even me sometimes. Many Christocentric struggle with it. Even me. You know, someone sent me a picture yesterday of one guy that did a full exegesis. Exegesis. His point in the full, <laughs> his point in the full exegesis is that a believer cannot be singing. Satan will make mess of me because the devil cannot make mess of a believer. He's correct too. He's correct. But don't pray and see if Satan will not make a mess of you. You don't pray. <laughs> Don't pray now. I like your exegetical approach, theologian. I I respect you, sir. I know. Shebi, we are the writers of God in Christ Jesus. The devil is already defeated. He's under our feet. Don't pray. <laughs> Six months after, come. I will show you the devil that's making a mess of you. You don't pray. I guess what I'm saying. Listen, I understand. But listen, the fact that you have that knowledge and the fact that you are... Let me put it this way. The fact that you have authority that the battle has already been won over the devil does not mean that if you don't have the knowledge of it, the devil will not mess, mess you up. I get what I'm saying. If you don't put what you know to practice, the devil will mess you up. When it comes to knowledge, have you seen people that it was until the day that they knew that, that the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that they are seated in heavenly places with Christ, that was the day every oppression in their life stopped? Are you get what I'm saying? You can have all the authority. You are saved. You are the believer. Trample up and trample on the enemy. Glory be to God. If you don't do the things you need to do 
to put yourself where you need to put yourself, the devil will make a mess of you. That, that's what I'm trying to say. I get what I'm saying. So I understand the theological argument, but listen, it might be free, but it is conditional. That's what I'm trying to teach you. We know who we are in Christ. We confess it. I know who I am. But listen. There is a responsibility that comes to the provision of what we have that we've not been exposed to. What I'm saying in essence is that the fact that there's no price to it does not mean there is no price. Are you getting it? And that's what the Apostle said. The fact that there's no price does not mean there's no price. And so, I heard it, it got me thinking, I remembered that the problem is that many other people are focused so much on just the prize that we don't see that it's free, but do also become extreme. That because it's free, you don't also realize that there's a prize. Are you getting what I'm teaching? Are you getting it? You must realize even what is yours will come with conditions. Hear what I'm saying. Believers who always do the barest minimum will never step into their true potential in God because there's a price for it. Are you with me? Listen, I might tell you every day that you have the same Holy Spirit that Papa Deboye has, but listen, he paid a price that made him get to where he is. If you want to get there, you must pay the price too. So yes, you have the capacity to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to do every single thing. You've got it. You have authority. If you got saved yesterday, you can cast out a devil. But can I tell you something? The person you see skillfully wield it is because he prays. Are you with me? It's because he prays. It's because he has done a walk. It's because he has done a consecration. Are you with me? It's because he has given himself to it. The more you do, the better you are. It's a simple principle. The more you do, the better you are. We might have the same thing, but if I do more, I'm better. Are you with me? I'm better. If I wield it more, I'm better. If I walk in the spirit more, I pray some more. Listen, it might be my destiny, but I will not function to this fullest capacity if I don't put effort. That's what I'm trying to teach you. Please, are you following me? Hey, people seem like they are sleepy or they are confused. Are you following me? So, if you do the barest minimum, you will lose many things. You know, Simi taught us the other day about, you know, that two side, those two sides rather, of what is permissible and what is God's perfect will. You might be doing what is basic, but that might not be God's will for your life. It might just be acceptable. Are you get what I'm saying? You might be living like a believer. Yes, you are saved. But there is more in God. Are you with me? You are not unsaved. You are saved. Are you with me? But you are living in the barest minimum. You are living ordinarily. But there is more in God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That there, 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 there are heights that you are supposed to attain as a believer. But you are okay with just the bare. You are okay where you are. You say, as long as we are saved. I know the gospel. You will live an ordinary life. You will miss out on many things in God. You will miss out on too many things in God. Are you getting what I'm saying? God told Elijah that Elisha will be next after him. But he did not, you know, Elijah did not tell Elisha. What happened? He said, you know what? I'm going somewhere. Don't bother yourself. Don't come. Elisha said, I promise you. There's no way you go. I will not follow you. He followed him from town to town, state to state. 
He did not give up. He didn't give in until the end. Elijah said, Elisha, I said, ask me in the end. He said, he said, ask me what I want from you. He says, give me a double portion. Are you getting what I'm saying? He followed him. Even though Elijah had always known, because God had always told him that the next person after him is Elisha. But Elisha, Elisha put in the work. He followed him everywhere. Are you getting this? He followed him everywhere. How many of you have read the story of when Elijah was finally taken up? He followed, when he gave him the mantle, do you know how he was able to go back? Everything he saw Elijah do, he had to do. He put the shore on top of the river. But he followed him till the end. If he did not follow him, he would not get that mantle. Are you getting what I'm saying? He will not get that mantle. So, you know, you are grounded in the core of the faith. You pass as a Christocentric, everything are you, what of it? You are, are you. But don't play with consecration, with labor. Are you with me? Don't play with process. That's what this teaching is doing. Don't pray with process. The Spirit of God is giving to you freely, yes. Yes, but there is a lot in God that if you don't put effort in, you will not attain. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's a lot. It's something we need to learn in this generation. We are too convenient, comfortable. The supernatural comes with specific instructions sometimes. When God, you know, trusted the prophet to tell the leper, go to the Jordan and wash. If he says, you know what, there's water at my back here, let me wash it. You will not get what God wants for you. You will not. You will not. You will not. The moment the prophetic word was spoken, your miracle was in that place. Are you with me? The Lord tells you, let's go as basic as fasting. They say fast. You must not break before three. Say 12 now. They say God would, God would understand. What if it was at 3 o'clock that the Lord had specifically ordained that the angel would visit? Listen, I know what I said now does not sound Christocentric, but I am telling you, I am telling you by that <laughs> miracle, supernatural experiences are tied to obedience. They are tied to obedience. Very, very <laughs> tied to obedience. Are you getting it? God says we are to start the ministry at this time. I start to. I told you when I was leaving Nigeria, every indication was that I should close down the community. Because that was the right thing to do. Because all of the people who follow me need to go to church, right? But the fact that it's right does not mean it was the will of God. <laughs> because when I prayed, the Lord said, did I tell you to close? You, you, you have to understand. I'm, I'm telling you, obedience is important. And the, the labor it will take. You need to be ready to pray. To pray because there is more. There is much, 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 much more. The way some of us handle our spiritual life. If you were with Jesus and Jesus wanted to heal you as a blind man and he spits something. Hey, how do you even say that he spits? Hey, hey, hey stop, please. Don't put that in my... What are you doing? <laughs> I'm too clean for that. Some of you care too much about the packaging. You, you don't realize the power behind the things. Jesus is spat on, on clay to put it on his eyes. Please, are you following me? Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? You can't kneel. You can't cry. You see someone say, oh, say, something is wrong with your heart. Nothing you see me. Nothing can make me cry in this world. Only my baby. Eh? Even God. <laughs> You never cried for worship meeting before for your life. 
Are you following what I'm teaching you? There's a kind of tenacity you must have. When the prophet told Joash, he says, I would he says, he says, he told him rather that he would discomfit his enemies. Alright, the prophetic word was to strike his arrow on the floor. He, if it's me, I will strike it till the next day. You strike three times, you stop. There is more. You are too comfortable. We are praying now. We are saying there are burdens. There are burdens. There are burdens. We, we pray, pray, pray. We reach one hour. We are not praying, 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 praying. When we reach one hour, 13 minutes, we say, ah, there are burdens. There are burdens. You now say, ah, glory, glory. It's done. It's, it's shut up your mouth. It's not done. Pray, 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 pray. Have you seen that before? Has he happened in your meeting before? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Ah, lava, lava. Yes, Lord. Because you want to end the prayer. Yes, Jesus. I remember that day we were doing that stretch. People thought I was going to end after three hours. You were going to the front. I saw people, they were up there. Yeah. Oh, yes. I said, yes, today I will finish all of you. <laughs> we will go one more hour. You are doing, oh, yes. You must learn to stretch. Learn to hold on. Learn to hold on deeper. Learn, learn to press beyond the normal. Sometimes I intentionally try. You know, sometimes I, I don't, but sometimes I intentionally try. If I'm supposed to pray 30 minutes, I intentionally try to do 35, just in case there's something God wants to say. Always be ready that God wants to speak. Do you know what I'm saying? Always be ready that God wants to say something, that there might just be something God wants to do. That there might just be something God wants to do. Always, always be ready. Hallelujah. Don't let your appetite get the best of you. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Hallelujah. Anyone who is excellent at spiritual things, they have that hunger. Are you with me? They have that tenacity. And you must have it too. You must. Are you following me? You must have it too. There's a lot I want to share. We're probably going to break this meeting into two, but you must have that hunger. You must have that hunger. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you guys here? I'll read a text to you in Proverbs, Proverbs 26, 15. It says, the lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. He wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. What type of laziness is that? You know, what type of playing is this? That's okay, my right? <laughs> you know, what type of laziness is that? Are you with me? You are hungry, you put your hand in the food, but the journey between, your, between the food and your mouth is a... Ah. And you think it's not you I'm talking about, but it's you. Because every time you know what to do, you are studying, but you know, I just need to push some more. But laziness is holding you back. Some of you, you need to, you need to push more. You need to study more. You need to practice your teaching more. Practice your speaking. You've been hearing me say to be a better speaker, you have to practice what, watch your pronunciations, watch your pronunciations, watch the way, you know, you talk, watch your tone, watch how it goes. All you need to do is just stand by a mirror. I say, glory to God, hallelujah. Listen, all you need to do is that, but you feel too big. How will I be doing that? And pretend? That's the problem. You are lazy. You cannot just do what you need to get you where you need to be. Some of you cannot pray to save your own life. There are things you need to do. Just go beyond. It will get you there. The extra work. Some of you joined the ministry, we told you things. If you want to catch up and understand the teaching, you have to go and listen to all the sermons on the podcast. You are there soon. Maybe you're not going to ask me questions that are silly. And now as I've listened to discipleship, you say, you say no. I'm like, ah. 
You follow me, you've not listened to the discipleship series. What are you doing here? It's the, it's the truth. Because if you have, you will not be asking me some questions you are asking me. There are people who join this ministry. They did not come by trying to make themselves known to me. Mm-mm. Do you know why I why I, I gave them the attention? Because the first time they called me, I said, they say, sir, so I was listening to Dynamo. I said, hey, yes. You are new, Abby. Good. You listen to Dynamo. Someone told me, said, I want to spend my whole summer listening to everything on the, on the podcast so I can catch up. And yes. Now I know you are ready. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are ready. You are ready to be disciple. You are ready to be trained. It's a body of work that has been done. You are okay, now you are ready. There are things. How many of you never knew that content was such a powerful teaching or how to interpret the Bible until you went to listen to it? How many of you? Because <laughs> I've heard a lot of testimonies on that. Do you know what I'm saying? So, there are a lot of solid, solid teachings there. All you need to do to get you where you need to be is just putting the work. Do you know you have a strong teaching grace on your life? Do you know it's not possible for you to listen to me or any good teacher frequently and not improve as a teacher? So maybe why you are not growing as a teacher is because you are too lazy to listen to sermons. You are too lazy to write when you listen to sermons as well. Do you know a good learner is a good teacher? Do you know that if you if you write my sermons down in your notes, eh? And you go, if you write 10 of them, and you go over the 10 of them, you know how to structure a proper sermon. Because you see that I have an approach in all my teachings. You'll be able to break it down. That Maybe that's why you are not yet a good teacher. You are too lazy that you can't put in the extra work to get you where you need to be. I'm saying this because we had a prophecy that there are many teachers on the community. Some of you are lazy because... There are people you've seen teach and all they've done is they've repeated the things I say word for word. Some of you cannot. Why? You don't even have good notes. You don't. You don't. I've told you my process. How many of you have seen my notes before? How do I write? I write as I speak. How do I write when a pastor is teaching? I write as he speaks. The ones I miss, maybe I miss, but I try as much as possible to be verbatim. That's why till tomorrow, I can remember the example that my pastor gave in each teaching because I wrote including the examples. So now that I'm a teacher, I have analogies to give you plenty. Why? I learned including the analogies. Are you getting it? How many of you have tried to teach you used an analogy before? And you just saw later after teaching it that it did not make sense. <laughs> like what did I just say? It did not balance. How is the egg, the spirit, you know? <laughs> what will be the shell then, you know? You know? <laughs> so it's just God covering the two of them. You just realize that. I, that's why we stick to the things we are taught the way we are taught. Because the person who used that analogy, if it works, please keep it and use it everywhere. <laughs> because it's hard to find the right analogies. But laziness as a student is why you're probably not a better teacher. So what I'm telling you is there's a lot of work that needs to be done and you must be willing to commit yourself to it, to study more. You have been saying since all these days, ah, the Lord told me, someone gave me a word. 
I have a grace for defense. How many apologetics video have you watched? I have a grace for defense to defend the faith of Christ. Okay, you do even know names of apologists. Grace for defense. Oh yeah, now <laughs> you think it's final defense? <laughs> How many videos have you watched? How many? What I'm trying to tell you is that there is more in God. Are you with me? It's important. It's imp Listen, some of you are behaving like Esau. You were meant to be the lineage through which Christ will come. What happened? You were coming back from hunting. You had, you know, food in, on your shoulder. You had the game on your shoulder. And while you were coming, just the diligence to go to the kitchen and make your own, you did not have. That's how many people squander opportunities. The funniest part is the other guy was not a hunter. So ideally, you should have more food than him. And you just squander opportunity. And I tell you the truth. Your destiny is greater than what you are doing. The prophecy that follows this ministry is greater than what you are doing. It's greater. Because in this ministry, one of the prophecies that follows us is that, you know, is the fifth gear sponsored by the Spirit. It's dynamic spread. Meaning that anyone who follows this ministry automatically themselves become teachers so that we can spread dynamically. So don't by yourself stifle your ability to partake of that prophecy. I'm not the only teacher here. By privilege, discipleship is our core mandate here. We raise men who can raise other people. Are you with me? That if you don't see me, you can see people who will teach and will continue and we will spread that way. You can stifle that call just because you are not hardworking. There's oil on you to be a great man, but you can't pray to save your life. If you pray three days, that generational course will break. It will break. Are you with me? So will you do it? Can you not watch one hour, two, three? Some of you will set the structure. Do you know you cannot be a member of the Catalyst community and not be praying well? At least, even if you don't have your personal time of prayer, let's do cumulative. Monday, how many hours? One. Sunday and Thursday together, say 15, 15, 30. Friday, how many hours? Three. That's how many? Five hours, 30 minutes, or six hours, 30 That's three plus one plus 30 minutes. That's what? Four hours, 30 minutes. Am I correct? Four hours, 30 minutes. Then let's add the other meetings that we have new workers training and all of the other meetings at least another 30 minutes one way or the other what do you say money okay we pray every morning that's another many minutes 45 every morning monday to thursday 40 at least if you make all those meetings your life cannot remain the same but even the one we put for you you know they come you will not come all you need to do in your life to change your destiny is set alarm and wake up so that you can join morning prayer. You will not set the alarm. Some of you, all, it, all you need to do is even sleep early. Just sleep early so you can wake up early. You say, it's my body, I can't wake up. If you sleep early, you, wake up. you must make plans for what you want. Are you with me? You must make plans. You know this is your destiny, but would you accomplish it? Will you accomplish? When will you work on what God has said you will do? When, teacher, the Lord is sending you to secondary schools. When will you write the curriculum down for the second? What you want to teach in the secondary schools? When will you write it down? Oh, this is what I want to teach. Oh yeah, let me start building the notes. Okay, let me start praying for them. 
When? January, February, March. Three months in dynamic spread has gone. When will you start? Fifth gear, sponsored by the Spirit. All the assignments. When will it happen? I walk, I run, I fly. When will you fly? <laughs> are you listening to what I'm saying? There is more, is what I'm telling you. All the resources are available. Grace is available. Impartation has been given for you to push. Listen, just because God ordained it does not mean it will happen. If you don't partner with God, it will not happen. Are you with me? You say, no, it's not happening because it's not God's time. It's a lie. Say, God knows God's time is best. It's a lie. It's you. God has been ready since he gave the word. I know today is not a packaging teaching. You probably knew from the beginning when I started shouting. So, today is the teaching to let it enter your soul. To let it sink in. Stop the delay. Are you with me? Stop the delay. The guy's on the way to get some money. He says, the, the, you know, he, he, said, he said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. How about you align your flesh? Align your flesh. Are you with me? The Bible doesn't just tell us the benefits of praying. I know my time is fast, but I want to say this thing so that I can, you know, tell you why you must pray in the next series. Alright. The Bible didn't just tell you the benefits of praying. It also tells you the consequences of not praying. It says that, and it speaks a parable to them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. He's telling you implicitly that if you don't pray, you will faint. <laughs> a man that is praying, you know, he tells you what will happen. A man that is not praying, he says you'll be a fainting man. You'll be faint. Are with me? You will come to moments of weakness that you don't have the capacity to handle. Why? Because you just never built capacity to handle those times. Are you with me? There's a type of strength you will not gain in the gym. There's a type that you you know you you you, you gain in the place of the word, in the place of prayer, in the presence of God. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter forty verse thirty, it says, "Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall." It says, "But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall what? They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint." They that wait upon the Lord, how can you not be able to just wait upon God? You know there's strength in it. You must be willing. You must be ready to do it. For some of you, this is the word of the Lord to you. Prophets to the nation, you. And one which is holding you down in your sleep. You cannot stand up. And yet you will not pray. And I say it's not theologically correct to say if I don't pray Satan and I make it. That holding down is not Satan making mess of you, Abby. <laughs> we pray. Some of you will pray because of your families. Let one person not come and mess up your, your, your sister with charm or something. If you stay outside the country, <laughs> it's more common in Africa, but it's also outside the country. There are powers of devil of the devil. Is everything caused by them? No, but are some things caused by them? Yes. So you must pray. Are you with me? You must pray. And don't stop praying. Hallelujah. Don't stop praying. Do me one favor, don't miss the next teaching. Let me tell you why you must pray. But listen, at least everything I've said. He says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Let me connect it all for you. The Spirit is freely given. It's such a huge thing. Such a special thing. And it's been given to you freely. 
But the fact that you have it freely, to experience it in its fullness, there's a price. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's a price. To experience it in its fullness, you must be able to take times of prayer. Times of, you healed the sick last year. Oh, there are many sick people to be healed this year. So you must pray. It's not the trophy to keep. I'm a man of the spirit, okay. So much more we must pray. Much more we must pray. The title of this series is The Necessity of Prayer. We must pray. Because even the things we receive freely, we must sustain with labor. Even the things we receive freely, we must use labor to make them effective in our lives. Are you ready? In this series of baptism of fire, what we are set to do is to push deeper, is to pray and take advantage of all of the potentials that we have. Are you ready to pray? Can we pray a few minutes? I know time is fast spent. Let's just pray.